It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, June 20th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Up ahead on the California Report, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you? Sports betting may become legal in the state, but there's a group that deeply fears the prospect. One issue reigned supreme at the National Congress of American Indians mid-year gathering, the impact of wildfires on indigenous communities. National Native News has the details coming up. Then we'll take a look at local news and weather before science correspondent Al Stoller reports on Nevada County's free vision and dental pop-up clinic coming to town in July. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. First the victory, now the party. Thousands of people from across the Bay Area are expected to line the streets of downtown San Francisco this morning to celebrate the NBA world champion Golden State Warriors. The team's victory parade kicks off at 1120. After returning home from Boston last week, Warriors guard and finals MVP Steph Curry said the team's excited to celebrate with fans. We champs again. Nice to bring old Larry back home where he belongs. Like Draymond said, it's the Warriors invitation to be back. So uh, this is pretty special for sure. I mean, to get the job done, it's an emotional roller coaster. Obviously, all the work that goes into it, the whole team's excited. We Everybody's exhausted, though, so we're ready to get some rest and get ready for the parade on Monday. And Warriors head coach Steve Kerr also spoke to reporters after getting off the team plane in San Francisco on Friday. I'm not going to lie, I'm hungover right now. So we had a great night last night. We had an incredible night. But despite the team already celebrating its victory, Kerr said the fans' support over the years has helped immensely, and he's glad they get to celebrate another championship. The fans here have always loved the Warriors so much, and, and it's just so great for our fans to be rewarded and for them to be able to experience this with us. That's what makes it special. You know, we have an incredible fan base and we feel their support uh, in every game. The Victory Parade will travel along Market Street in downtown San Francisco, stopping at Market and 8th Streets. And unlike in years past, there will not be a post-parade rally. Since a U.S. Supreme Court decision in 2018 made it legal, more than two dozen states now allow some sort of sports betting. But if you want to wager legally on sports in California, you still basically have one choice, horse racing. Like the bets placed here at Santa Anita Racetrack east of Los Angeles. But sports betting in California could soon explode way beyond the racetrack with legal wagering allowed on professional and college competitions. An initiative backed by gaming tribes that would allow sports betting in their casinos has qualified for the November ballot. Meanwhile, online sports betting companies like FanDuel are trying to qualify a competing initiative that would legalize mobile wagering using smartphones. Here at Santa Anita, gambler and sports fan Daniel Chavez loves the idea of legal sports betting. I think it's awesome that we can uh, bet on any kind of sports. It's not hurting nobody. You know, if you want to make your money, you should be able to spend it the way you want, whether it be on uh, horse races, NFL. Basketball, hockey. Basketball, yeah, anything like that. Yeah, you should be able to spend your money however way you want. I think it's great. 
But there is a group of Californians who deeply fear the prospect of sports betting becoming legal in the state and the damage it could do to their lives. They're recovering gambling addicts, like a man we're going to call Harold A. Well, it's it's a disease, okay? It's a compulsive, it's compulsive addictive behavior, okay? And it's it's no different than other compulsive addictive behaviors. This is something that can be arrested but can never be cured. Harold, who's been in recovery for decades with the help of Gamblers Anonymous, says his addiction nearly destroyed his life as debts mounted and family connections broke. I was the hamster on the wheel. I was running from, you know, from the the card room to the racetrack to the cocaine dealer. I mean, I just I had I I had every seat on the Titanic, as they say, in, in recovery and no seats were any good. That's for sure. But Harold fears legalized sports betting, especially if it's mobile, could tempt him and others in recovery back to gambling and create a new generation of gambling addicts. My reaction personally is I'm worried. I'm worried. But how big of a problem is problem gambling? Dr. Timothy Fong is co-director of UCLA's Gambling Studies Program. We know that approximately 1% of the state of California has a gambling disorder. Now, one out of 100 people doesn't sound like a lot, but that's about the same percentage of men and women with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or severe psychosis in the state of California. And Fong says if sports gambling is legalized in California, especially if wagering is as easy as taking out your smartphone, addiction rates could double. You go from a 1% state of California having gambling disorder, and now you go to 2%. You know, that's millions of lives that have now been racked millions of lives have been severely damaged and at what cost. So what is or could be done about this? You've reached the California Problem Gambling Helpline. To speak directly with a counselor for help with gambling problems, press 1 for English. The California Department of Public Health has an Office of Problem Gambling. Its director is Robin Christensen. So the Office of Problem Gambling offers a range of confidential, no-cost services to support problem gamblers and other individuals who've been affected by the gambler's behavior. We are referring you to clinicians, to therapists, to licensed mental health professionals within the state of California. I tried to ask Christensen what the state is doing to prepare for a possible future where sports gambling is legal and fueling higher addiction rates, but was interrupted by a department spokesperson. Let's we're, we're getting into hypotheticals. Yeah. After I asked again in an email, I was told the Department of Public Health is talking with other states that have legalized sports gambling about their experiences with addiction. We'll note that the state's gambling addiction budget is funded by the gambling industry to the tune of $4 million a year. It's a figure that recovering gambling addict Harold A. thinks is peanuts and not nearly enough to help addicts if sports betting becomes legal in the state. The way I see it, Saul, is that they're doing the minimum. You know, $4 million? What's $4 million? That's a drop in the bucket, okay? I mean, it really is. And, you know, we're talking about billions of dollars. This is a billion-plus dollar, billions-of-dollar industry. If sports betting does become a reality in California, one study predicts $30 billion in bets could be wagered annually. That's why the gambling industry calls California the holy grail of sports betting markets. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. 
Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that is this edition of the California Report for Monday, June 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. In the shadow of Alaska's largest tundra fire in 40 years, the National Congress of American Indians gathered to discuss the threat of wildfires on indigenous communities. At more than 160,000 acres, the East Fork Fire is the largest fire ever to burn in Alaska's Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta region. National Native News has the details. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Alaska Native leaders are concerned about climate and environmental issues. Those were among discussions last week at the National Congress of American Indians mid-year gathering in Anchorage. As Emily Schwing reports, leaders in Alaska and other states are seeing wildfires having an impact on their communities. Earlier this month, a wildfire burning in western Alaska forced the evacuation of more than 100 residents who live in St. Mary's, a small Yupik village located more than 400 miles west of Anchorage near the Yukon River. George Beans is the president of Yupiat of Andrevsky, one of two tribes in the village. As you know, we, had a, uh, we were dealing with a fire, uh, a pretty big fire at home, and I think that's Climate change has a lot to do with these fires that are popping up and it's all over. It's just too dry. Beans said it was tough for him to decide if he should leave the village for the NCAI conference in Anchorage. Well, first of all, we're at the pre-registered, so, and we invested a lot of uh, our finances into coming to this meeting. We sent three tribal uh, council members. Um, they address a lot of issues here. And uh, it, there's a lot of uh, intercommunication between each others, and that's, um, that's why I think it's important. We get a lot of information, and we can seek some help if, when, you know, when we do need in different areas that we need help in. At more than 160,000 acres, the East Fork Fire is the largest ever to burn in Alaska's Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta region. It's also the largest tundra fire the state has seen in decades. As of Sunday, fire officials said they'd reached their objectives to contain the blaze. For National Native News, I'm Emily Schwing. A new art installation in Eugene, Oregon, has visitors gazing at art that in turn gazes right back. KLCC's Brian Bull reports on the culture-raising installation and how it recognizes the region's indigenous people. Flashback to August 2021, and I'm on a stretch of sidewalk between a couple utility buildings and construction projects. Charlie Swing, director of Art City, points out what at first looks like an ordinary fence, 100 feet long, 8 feet high, and with individual faces. Actually, two faces. Each is a youth and an elder of Native American and Indigenous people who live in our community. A growing awareness of the land's original inhabitants, the Kalapuya, has helped Oregonians relate the past with the present. Tenapa Brainerd, who goes by TJ, is the conceptual artist behind the culture-raising project. She's of Coos Apache heritage and a student at the Institute of American Indian Art in Santa Fe. She coordinated photography of the subjects, whose images were transferred to the fence slats. I thought, okay, maybe let's do like half the face and eyes, but then after a while I realized that for me it was kind of like doing 
the American people, just as people, not like full on headgear and regalia, just see that we're here and this is us and how we look very different and how we look like everyone else. The culture raising installation is now up for several months and will be on display during the World Track and Field Championships in Eugene. The slats will eventually be taken down and woven into a new form, which will be auctioned to help support new art pieces by Native Americans. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull. The U.S. Senate Committee on Indian Affairs is gathering written comments on cannabis in Indian country through July 8th. The input will help inform the committee's work on tribal cannabis and for future use on national cannabis reform legislation. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. With so many organizations trying to help military veterans, it can be hard to find the right information. So AARP brings together no-charge employment and fraud prevention resources, caregiving tools, discounts, and more at aarp.org slash veterans who support this show. Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. After years of discussion surrounding the Nevada County Courthouse, the committee tasked with deciding its future has voted unanimously to recommend its relocation. The panel's decision suggests relocating to a spot as close to downtown as financially possible. The recommendation will be the basis for a funding request in the state's 2023-24 budget. The request will be discussed at the Judicial Council of California's July 14th and 15th business meeting. At that time, the council is expected to vote on the Nevada County Courthouse funding proposal. This reported by the Union of Grass Valley. Democratic State Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon announced today a legislative inquiry to determine if oil companies are, quote, ripping off drivers. California gas prices remain the highest in the nation. Rendon says the Assembly Select Committee will consider what measures the state can enact to reduce gas prices and, quote, Stand up to the profiteers who are abusing a historic situation to suck profits from Californians' wallets. Committee hearings are expected to begin in coming weeks and could run through November. Republicans for months have been pushing for a temporary suspension of California's 51 cent per gallon excise tax on gasoline, arguing that it would provide immediate relief to California drivers. Newsom and Democratic legislative leaders have rejected the idea citing the need for infrastructure project funding. This reported by the Los Angeles Times. Turning our attention to regional weather, after a temperate weekend with a bit of rain, triple-digit temps are back with a vengeance. The National Weather Service has issued a heat advisory in effect from 10 a.m. Tuesday to 10 p.m. Wednesday for the Sacramento Valley and Sierra foothills. Expect hot temperatures with highs from 99 to 108 degrees in the valley and 95 to 105 degrees in the foothills. Widespread moderate heat risk is expected in the valley and moderate to high heat risk in the foothills. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 62, 
Tuesday, sunny with a high near 93. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 42. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 77. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 64. Tuesday, sunny and hot with a high near 103. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The cost of medical, dental, and vision care is out of reach for many folks. To address this, a free health clinic will open for two and a half days this July. The clinic needs volunteers. Up ahead, science correspondent Al Stoller speaks with clinic organizer Philip Vardara. Philip, what's happening? It's a free medical dental vision clinic. We don't ask any questions about insurance. We don't ask citizenship questions. Anybody who comes through the door gets to be seen. We have a medicine area where we have physicians. We have a dental area where we have dentists who do general dentistry and oral surgeons. And then we have a vision clinic with optometrists and ophthalmologists. You will be able to take dental x-rays. You'll be able to prescribe and give people glasses. Besides a full set of dental x-rays, which help our dentists determine, you know, what work needs to be done, we do cleanings, extractions, and fillings. In the vision side, we have the instrumentation to do retinal checks. We have the machines to determine what kind of prescription glasses people need. We have the machines that actually grind the lenses. We have really nice-looking designer-type frames that have been donated by Kaiser Permanente, and people leave the same day with prescription glasses free. In order to do this, you depend a lot on voluntary contributions, which have been coming in. You depend on volunteer medical people. What sort of medical people are you looking for? We're looking for dentists and dental surgeons. We're also looking for dental hygienists, and a lot of times dentists bring their own hygienists, but if your dentist is not able to participate, any dental hygienist would be more than welcome. If you are a dental hygienist, bring your own headset with you, otherwise we provide everything else. How many dentist chairs will there be on site? Right now we're looking probably at about 30 chairs. This will be taking place at Nevada Union High School. The Nevada Union High School District donated the entire high school for us. It's going to be a wonderful site. We're really looking forward to it. Do you need non-medical volunteers, people who can help set up and tear down? Absolutely. We could not run this clinic without general volunteers. Anybody can help. Right now, we need about 100 volunteers. The way for anybody to volunteer, whether you're a medical clinician or a general volunteer, is to go to the California Care Force website. That's California Care Force, all one word, dot O-R-G. In the upper right hand, you'll see the word that says clinics. If you mouse over that, you will see clinic registration. We ask our general volunteers to please sign up for a full eight-hour day. For our medical professionals, we understand that sometimes a full day may be not what they're able to do, so we ask you to click the eight-hour box, but if you can only stay for four or six hours, so please let the lead in your area know that. Tell us again, where is it happening? It's happening at Nevada Union High School. And what are the dates? Friday and Saturday, July 15th and 16th, and half a day on the 17th. We open up, start bringing people in, usually around 7 o'clock, 7.30. 
I encourage people that want dental care especially to get there early. People can see both the dentist and the vision doctors, but you can only see dentist on one day and vision on the next day. So decide what's most important. I really recommend if you want dental care, get there as early as possible. We've had people line up at five and six in the morning in the past. I encourage everybody to get their dental care done first and then come back on Saturday or Sunday morning for the vision care. If people want to get in touch with you, perhaps they have some questions, how can they get in touch with you? There's two ways you can reach out. My name is Philip Vardara. My email is pgvardara at icloud.com, or you can call me at 530-613-2301 if you have any questions about the clinic or about the process of signing up. There are no appointments. Everything is first come, first served. We need general volunteers and medical volunteers to sign up. It really helps us if you sign up sooner rather than later. It helps us with planning to have people sign up soon. It makes it easier for us to know how many more people we need. The website, again, is CaliforniaCareForce, all one word, dot O-R-G. CaliforniaCareForce.org. Philip, it's been really good talking with you, and I want to thank you for helping to organize this event. Thank you very much, Alan. You know, as a nurse for 33 years, I love taking care of people. I love providing education every chance I get. The appreciation expressed by the people we see is just amazing. Some of the people we see have insurance, but most people don't have dental or vision care. Thank you very much, Alan. I've been speaking with Philip Fardora, one of the organizers of the free health clinic that takes place this July 15th, 16th, and 17th. After we spoke, Philip asked me to mention that volunteers are needed to set up the clinic on the days before, July 13th and 14th, and to tear down the clinic on the last day, July 17th. For KBMR, I'm Al Stalin. That's our newscast for this Monday, June 20th. Visit us online at kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from HBE Rentals since 1994, offering equipment rentals for contractors, homeowners, and businesses. Open daily and reminding listeners equipment rental is an environmentally sustainable option. HBE Rentals information at gohbe.com and Nevada County Properties, a recreation realty company, representing buyers and sellers in Nevada County and surrounding areas since 1973 at 432 Broad Street, also Highway 20 at Scotts Flat, Nevada City, 265-6565, nevadacountyproperties.net. Keep it tuned to your community radio station. At 6.30, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. Tonight's episode is the conclusion of a two-part Juneteenth special, written and read by storyteller Marion E. Barnes. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.